0: The Athlete Handbook is here to provide you with insight and education as you navigate the sporting space. We hope you enjoy listening and adding another page to your book. This episode of The Athlete Handbook is supported by Lake Health Group. Lake Health have been a supportive partner to Westwick and our athletes for many years. Located at 1046 Howard Street, Wendaree, Michael and the team offer a multitude of services, including physio, exercise rehabilitation, clinical pilates, remedial massage, and podiatry. They have a number of clinicians who have a special interest to assist you with all of your rehabilitation requirements and sports injury recovery. Book your next appointment on 5335 3200 or find out more at lakehealthgroup.com.au. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the Athlete Handbook. Today's episode is on the topic of injury prevention. We have done this as an education series for the last few years. So today we're kind of continuing that conversation but discussing a few other bits and pieces in a little bit more depth than what we have previously and I'm very lucky to have two guests today not just one mm-hmm. we have Scott from Fed Uni Scott was on pretty recently in our SNC podcast um, and you've probably seen him around the traps if you're training out at Fed Uni. But we also have Kate out from Lake Health Group, who is our physio um, partner with West Vic for those athletes based in Ballarat. So hello to both of you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the time to jump on. This will be really cool. So the background for um, our athletes and listeners today. So Scott, you bring obviously the strength and conditioning background. You do a lot of S stuff and have done for a long time with Fed Uni and with West Vic. Um, and Kate, for those that don't know, Kate is our resident um, physio or our go-to physio at Lake Health Group for all of our um, West Vic athletes. So we've got a physio background today and we've got a S and C background today to chat injury prevention, which I think will lead to some really good discussions. But I'm right in saying you guys have also known each other for a very long time.
1: Well, that's right. I was just going to jump in real quick and just say prior to Kate being a physio, she was a wonderful exercise and sports science student um, <laughs> here at Fed Uni, or was University of Ballarat at the time, wasn't it, Kate?
2: Yeah, I think it was University yeah. of Ballarat at the time. But i think i I, th- I think I even met you Scott prior to that because obviously with through my athletics and um having Neve as a coach, I did quite a, a bit of um s and c work with you through my athlete days, and then obviously that drew me into exercise and sports science, where I had you as a as a lecturer and as a teacher and and then yeah finished off with physiotherapy a bit after that
1: yeah and you say athlete days like they're over Kate where I think <laughs> we could see you on the hockey pitch. Um, going nuts pretty much any (laughs) Sunday afternoon can't we
2: (laughs) yes yes it does still take up quite a lot of my time (laughs) awesome
0: (laughs) jumping in I think one of our most common um areas in regards to injury prevention or the questions we kind of get a lot is recovery um, being a big part of injury prevention. Um, and I'm guessing that's probably in a reactive space to people or athletes going out and competing or having a big competition weekend and then being like, right, I've injured myself or I've, you know, got some acute things going on after my competition or game. How do I fix it? How do I prevent it going forward? So what have you guys found in the sense of um, recovery as an injury prevention strategy? I'll just
1: jump in first, if that's all, all right. Hey, okay. And I think for it.
0: it's important, I think if we take a step back and look
1: that any training or any competition is a stress on the body. So if we keep on adding stress through training and competition to improve our fitness and to improve our performance, but then we don't allow recovery to happen on the backside of that, our performance actually Is going to decrease over time you know and if if that stress keeps accumulating without the presence of recovery then that actually leads to injury and illness it's important to understand the almost sort of the theory behind it and understanding that training and competing is a stress it's a good stress but it's a stress nonetheless and that recovery aspect following it helps mitigate the risk of injury. Kate, I don't know what, what are some strategies you've put in place as a physio and as a coach or as an athlete yourself, I should say, from a recovery standpoint.
2: Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Just touching on what you mentioned there, Scott, that obviously any sort of training and games or competition is extra stress to the body. And that's, you know, when we sort of have, especially like those well, well, diligent, well-meaning athletes that are trying to sort of improve, their their performance by, you know, training harder and training longer without that sort of adequate recovery post-training and competitions. That's when we sort of get those overuse injuries that we see a lot in the clinic at work. You know, you might find yourself a little bit achy after training and and you think, oh, that's just normal because I've had a hard training session. But, you know, these are the first signs that we're, we're really needing to work hard on our recovery after training and competitions. So I think I mentioned um, the other day to someone that, you know, recovery happens that not just the day following training or competition but the following, you know, two, three, four days for, like after a competition or training. So I think uh, I would say probably the number one thing is a, an appropriate cool down after, after training or, or competition. You know, there's a lot of um, mechanical and metabolic factors that, are benefited by a cool down um to helping our bodies turn to their sort of resting state i think yeah definitely probably one of the first things to do is is an appropriate cool down
1: yeah and that's something that doesn't cost any money it's something that you can do in five to ten minutes post training post competition and it, it is extremely valuable and you get good bang for your buck in that sense. And then, you know, just to follow on from that is, you know, immediate, like hate said, immediately post game, post competition, cool down, but then you've got the nutritional and the sleep aspect of it as well. That follows right on from that. So what are you eating post game, uh, post training, and then how are you sleeping, you know, mm. following that? Cause that sets the foundation for any other recovery you want to do.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump in, I guess, as an advocate for our athletes here because this is something that is very much reoccurring or we find quite often in the sense of athletes will understand that there's, you know, these recovery strategies we need to put in place and they do it in the sense of, yep, yeah, right after the game or in the day after. So say they've played a game, um, they've had netball on Sunday, played their game, they've done some cool down, they've done that recovery and then they um, – I'm finding a little bit more now clubs and coaches are incorporating a recovery session into the weekly training program, so that's really good to see. So say then Monday night training isn't physical training, it's more recovery-based in stretching and foam roller stuff. So how do we make this, I guess, sustainable in the long term? Is Do you have any tips around how we can incorporate – recovery into our training programs is that something that they should be doing every week is it something they should incorporate just once a week what's I guess the physio input in that Kate where we can reduce the risk of injury by incorporating more recovery
2: yeah so I think um, as you mentioned like obviously you know in the day or day after or the day few days after those sort of active recoveries are are really important. But I think trying to incorporate some sort of set aside sessions that promote good recovery. And so recovery is also, you know, includes things, you know, sort of activation exercises or rehab exercises that then help to improve your performance at, you know, your following training sessions as well. So, you know, if you have muscle uh, or strength deficits in certain areas that you know you need to work on, setting aside time for those to um, work on those is also really critical as part of recovery as well. So I think, you know, we always have as athletes, you know, you train two or three times a week or or whatever it is for your sport, but I think, yeah, also scheduling in time for mobility sessions and stretching, stretching sessions and those sort of things to help with your recovery and performance is also really important.
0: I guess, Scott, that probably also plays into like load management. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's exactly what, as, you know, as, as Kate was talking and making those points to me from my strength and conditioning background, that comes back to periodization. Mm -hmm. Um, And periodization is where you look at your, I guess, your training calendar and look to see where you want to be from a fitness standpoint by the time of your competition and where you are now. And then you break that down into bite-sized chunks, but and within each of those bite-sized chunks, you manipulate the intensity of your training and the volume of your training. And within that conversation has to be the recovery aspect. So if you're training at a high volume and a high intensity, and you need to be able to back that training up on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So you need to be at your highest level physically. And that's where your strategic recovery sessions need to come come into play. So I think it's about sitting down with your coach and your parent is also a big uh, stakeholder, a key stakeholder in this conversation and mapping out your training schedule and looking to see where the volume of training is really high and where your schedule is really condensed and then from there saying this is where you're going to need a lot of recovery uh and targeted recovery practices like your ice baths or maybe more mobility work all the stuff that kate kate talked about
2: i think too like I'll, I'll use my hockey team as a bit of an example here in terms of so you know we train of a, a monday and and thursday night and um have as the season's kind of getting going i think we're about round five at the moment it's really starting to become apparent that the Monday night sessions are tough for people because, mm. you know, we play Saturday and everyone plays local on Sunday and then to sort of back up for a training session on Monday is really starting to, you can see the fatigue the fatigue mm. in people and it's starting to become quite not a productive session. So, you know, we've sort of sat down as a group and started chatting about, you know, well, is this really a productive session? Do we need to change it to maybe – A recovery session, or you know, every second week we train, and then on the off weeks we, you know, go and go to the pool and have a bit of recovery session in the pool, or go for a light jog as a team or something like that, rather than having a hard training session, because it is like it starts to become really, really apparent that it's just not productive at all.
0: Mm. Well, and I think that leads into another very common thing we've been finding. Um, I think post-COVID with people jumping back into big training loads and getting very excited to be back out and open and all the things in overtraining and the mentality of just like going so hard and so fast and gung-ho into things and forgetting that rest is okay and like let's shift on how, how we're you know, going back to that periodization and understanding how to lay out our training programs. Obviously, it's something we're always here to help our athletes navigate, but it is, and I'm sure, Kate, you find it quite often too with athletes coming in with injuries because they've just been doing too much.
2: Yeah, I think like that you made a like really important point there that like, you know, people think, oh, I've just got to keep going and keep pushing hard, but rest is productive too. I think mm. that's a really, really important point to make, that giving your body rest and even your mind a rest is is productive as well and sometimes even more beneficial than having gone down and, and done another hard training session. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really important point that, that you shouldn't feel guilty for having a night off or having a rest because rest is important too.
1: I'll
2: jump in. Uh,
1: well said, Kate. And as an athlete, you look at where you are in your long-term development. And this is something I would present when we did these education sessions face-to-face. But in a long-term athlete development model, typically right now, you're learning how to train. And that's you're learning the training process. And learning how to train harder and learning how to train smarter is very important. And that's where, if you heard my previous uh, episode that I was on with Shanae, we talk a lot about education, and part of being in a West Vick Academy of Sport athlete is the educational value of it. So, you know, as an as an athlete and as a parent of an athlete, if you can understand that we're trying to educate your, you how to train smarter, whilst also training harder, and your recovery uh, is a massive component of that, and learning you know when to push. And when to step back and what's good pain what's bad pain all of those sorts of discussions are really important educational opportunities for for you as an athlete
0: as we've all i guess mentioned there the topic of rest and what usually people jump to with that is sleep can we get some input from both sides here with SNC and physio? We're always trying to emphasise how important it is, but how important sleep is as a, well, I guess as a recovery strategy, but also in that injury prevention sense.
2: So sleep is, yeah, super, super important with recovery. You know, it's a bit often up in the air of how much sleep you should have. I think the research is a bit up in the air. It's very dependent on Um, people some people need you know seven hours sleep but I think generally the general recommendations are around sort of that eight hours sleep a night when we talk about in in regards to recovery you know obviously your body needs time to repair and 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 sleep is a really good way of doing that so A lot of the the hormones and stuff that that happen when we're sleeping play a really important role in, like, tissue recovery and tissue healing. So, you know, melatonin acts in a, like, activating pro-inflammatory enzyme, so that helps with any inflammation that's been obviously built up during a hard session or or game or competition, and um, that helps to tissue recovery and then we we think towards things like our our growth hormones and our androgens during sleep are are really essential for muscle growth and muscle repair but also just sleep helps with the recovery and you know the restoration of our our immune system and and things like that so that that helps you stay nice and healthy and and not get run down because obviously you know if you're pushing yourself hard and, and you're not sleeping and getting that adequate recovery then you know we get run down we get sick and then you can't train and then it's like a whole big cycle of trying to to get back into things. So yeah, not just from a, a fatigue management side of things, but from like a hormonal management side of things as well, in terms of tissue healing and tissue recovery.
1: Oh, just following that up. you know, There's a tremendous book. So for those of you that want to read something and, and educate, there's a book called Why We Sleep. And the, the author of it uh, has actually done quite a few TED Talks. That emphasize the importance of, of sleep from not just a physical recovery standpoint, but also from a psychological well being mm. standpoint. And you know, jump on YouTube, uh, check out the TED Talk on on why we sleep. But yeah, everything Kate mentioned from a I think from a physiological standpoint, it's beneficial. But I was just gonna emphasize that from a psychological standpoint, it's extremely beneficial. And there's certain practices that you can put in place. We term them sleep hygiene. So you have your sleep hygiene practices that you like to put in place to help maximize the benefits of those sleep. And it's all around, you know, uh, limiting screen time prior to, to going to bed, um, making sure that your, you know, your room is the correct temperature. You know, If you're struggling to fall asleep, there's certain Uh, Tricks you can do, like write down your thoughts and then putting them down on paper helps get them out of your mind. Um, If you wake up in the middle of the night and you struggle a bit, get back to sleep. The phone is not something that you should be picking up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you might go, you know, walk around the house, grab a drink of water, and then that disassociation can help, I guess, reset your mind so you can go back to sleep. So there's a really, some really fascinating work around those sleep hygiene practices to maximize sleep so you can get the recovery benefits from it.
0: And I think that's just something further we should reiterate. Majority of our Westwick athletes are in that junior phase on, you know, their age probably on average between 12 to 17 uh, years of age. So they're all at school during the day using their brains nonstop, coming home, doing homework, fitting that in. Some would have part-time jobs as well as then their sport and their training and competing over the weekends. So that as well, on top of just training and competing, but how much brain power you're using through the day, I think is a really important thing that we're considering our sleep and the quality of sleep that we're getting as an injury prevention strategy.
2: I think also what you said as well, Scott, having those kind of techniques to help to get to sleep. I think routines are really big part of it as well. So, you know, we all think of like a bedtime that we had when we were a kid, but I think like to this day, I still have an alarm set on my phone at, you know, nine o'clock every night and that's my time to start winding down for the night, you know, and and I have a bit of a routine. Like for example, you know, like I at nine o'clock and my alarm goes off, I make myself a cup of tea, have a bit of a, just sit quiet and have a tea, have a bit of a read of a book and, then you know head to bed and that's my routine that I try and keep every night so that you know when you get to that time each night your body slowly learns that now that's Mm. bedtime and and you can get to sleep a bit easier but you know our bodies love routines so um if you can kind of create a bit of a routine that you can stick to each night I think that's a really good way as well
1: yeah, I don't know how you can stay up till nine o'clock at night, Kate. I am <laughs> in bed by eight thirty. But there's some, there was a good analogy that I that I definitely didn't think of. This someone much smarter than me did. You know, you think about when when you want to eat, right? And that that aspect of recovery as well. But you don't go and sit at the table and wait till you're hungry before you go go and eat. So when you go to bed, you should have that routine that you go to bed when you're actually tired and you are feeling you know, feeling like you need to sleep. Uh, you don't go to bed and lay there being like, oh, I hope I fall asleep. You set mm-hmm. your routine so each night you know that this is bedtime and you're prepared to go do it. And I just really love that analogy, like we don't go sit at the dinner table and wait and to wait. get hungry before we eat dinner. You know? Yeah, you gotta get so, yourself ready. Yeah.
0: yeah. Our next topic of Conversation. I'm actually, it is for you, Scott, but I'm actually going to give it to Kate and then go from there. As you're with your physio background, I guess, Kate, another area or strategy for injury prevention is strength and conditioning. So I'm keen to hear your thoughts and insight as a physio on the importance of using strength and conditioning as an injury prevention strategy day to day, basically, as an athlete.
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously there's lots of different types of injuries that we see sort of from acute soft tissue injuries and overuse injuries and that sort of thing. But a lot of the time we see injuries that have developed from something that was quite preventable. So we sort of look at people's biomechanics and maybe some muscle imbalances that might cause poor technique or or poor performance that then leads to an injury, whether that be acute or or an overuse injury. So I think um, a lot of like what I would do in the clinic when I see athletes is not only, you know, quite often people come in for a specific injury, but I also look at, you know, what might've caused that injury. So we, a lot of the time, I would say a big, big one that I see is a lot of weakness around the glutes in particular is a big weak area. So looking at those biomechanical deficits that might be causing injuries during training and performance, I think is a good way of then targeting preventative strength. So then that, you know, obviously during strength and conditioning you can be sort of targeting the right areas to prevent injuries from occurring in the first place.
0: I think it's in the sense of that people kind of think essence and go, oh my God,
2: heavy weights, that's what we're going to do
0: and smash ourselves in the gym and really give that background context. So it's really good to hear that that side of you from a physio in in how important it is and how it's basically a tool to use in our training program Scott what are your thoughts yeah and I think
1: sometimes we think of like like strength and conditioning to improve performance and injury prevention as being mutually exclusive Mm. and they are inherently entwined Because, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach or within a strength and conditioning program, your goal is to, uh, I guess, improve physical qualities that help that athlete perform better in the field. So and while you're improving those physical qualities like strength, speed, power, endurance, we're trying to build a robust, a robust athlete. So. By robust, I mean that yes, they can be fast and they can be strong and they can endure, but you need to be able to do it repeatedly without breaking down. And you know, one of my favorite, another analogy, um, I'm a big fan of analogies these days, <laughs> is like if we look at different types of cars, right, and automobiles. You know, some athletes are sports cars. They can go really fast and they're super agile, but they break down very easily so those athletes might possess great physical qualities but when they're asked to repeat them in in competition and in games in in condensed schedules they break down quite easily and that's not good whereas we have some athletes that are like rally cars they're fast they're agile they're robust they can take an absolute beating and keep showing up every single day and putting forth uh, i guess putting forth the effort and being able to express those those physical qualities and ideally we want a rally car. that's what we mm-hmm. want from an athlete. We want that athlete that's got the robust physical qualities they're strong they're powerful they're fast they're agile, but they can do that day in and day out without breaking down and that's what you know collaboration between a strength and conditioning coach and a physiotherapist and a, or a clinical exercise physiologist, really anyone who's working in that sports injury prevention and sports injury rehabilitation spaces. we can really work together to to, I think, develop those qualities in a robust nature for athletes.
0: Our last uh, discussion point uh, that we had raised is around a system that's, I think, starting to, again, a fair bit of popularity now um, across different sports, different areas, the 100-point system of recovery. So really... The
1: 100 point system for recovery is what it's trying to do is just say that you can do lots of different things to help yourself recover. And similar to the point that we spoke about earlier, recovery isn't just something that just happens in the 24 hours post game, it's something that can be embedded within your training routines each week. Uh, some training or some recovery methods. Uh, maybe more beneficial than others. Mm. So they have different weightings and different points. So over the course of a week, so say, you know, Kate plays a hockey game on Sunday, a big hockey game on Sunday, and then she's got to back up again the following Sunday. What can Kate do throughout the week to make sure that from a physiological standpoint, she's ready to go by that next Sunday? So there are certain points, like you might get a lot of points. So for example, you might get 30 points for sleeping eight hours, but you get 30 points right off the bat. Then you might get uh, 10 points for 15 minutes of foam rolling. You might get five points for some submaximal exercise, like taking the dog for a walk, you know? So, and over the course of a week, you try to accumulate 100 points to ensure that, you know, when it comes time for competition, again, you're as prepared as possible to be able to do that. And it's, it's an educational tool is really mm. what, what it is. It's a it can be a motivational tool. I know some coaches put rewards on it and they might, you know, deduct points. So for example, um, if you know nutrition is a large component of recovery. So maybe if your post-game meal is is like three double cheeseburgers from macca's and a vanilla shake and and large fries, not that I've ever eaten that post-basketball game. But say that's it. I might lose. 10 points for that, that decision. And it's, an edu- you can use it from an educational standpoint, you can use it from a motivational standpoint, but it's, it's just a good way to embed recovery through, through a week.
0: Yeah. So I was going to say, so for our, um, any of our Westwick athletes that maybe feel like they could do some more stuff in regards to injury prevention, but then also recovery, it would probably be a really good starting point or a good tool to use to give them some guidelines.
1: Yeah. And it's something to work. You know, we we talk about education and communication as being important for you know athlete development and, and injury prevention is no and recovery is no different from that. So as an athlete, you talk to your coach and you talk to your parents and maybe this is something that you can you can implement uh, just within, you know, within yourself to to maximize it.
0: To round out our great discussions here on injury prevention, I'm hoping you guys might have a few takeaway tips for our athletes that they can have a think about or start to implement in regards to injury prevention.
2: Kate, would you like to
0: go first?
2: All right, I'll kick us off with don't forget to appropriately warm up and cool down. So I think that's one of the most important things you can do to help um prevent injury so obviously warming up is is good to increase heart rate and body temperature and and um and all that and then cooling down obviously gives your body a chance to slowly return to its resting state so I think both of them are very important in injury prevention
0: fantastic thank you Scott what's your tip so my my tip
1: is around education and that's you know as as a lecturer and somebody who's a, a teacher by by trade and I keep going back that where a lot of the athletes are, are in that learning to train phase. So do your research, you know, go online, find out what our appropriate recovery strategies, educate yourself. Like I said, on what's, what's that good pain. What's, what's the bad pain. And I'll use my, my son as an example, who's got his uh, West Vic session tonight in the, in the gym. Um, and he loves the podcast by the way, Sinead. Um, awesome. But I, I talked to him. He'll, He'll come to me and he'll be like, oh, my elbow hurts from throwing. And then five minutes later, he'll be like, do you want to go throw? And I'm like, no, like if if your elbow hurts, we should not be throwing a ball right now. We need to, you know, manipulate the volume of throwing you're doing. And we need to go see Kate at Lake Health to to have her have a look at, you know, maybe your strength (laughs) and in your upper limbs. So it's about understanding when to work through discomfort and when to not work through pain. And I think young athletes, if you can understand that now, then it will behoove you, pretty impressive word, uh, as you move through your career trajectory.
0: Yeah, it's very much in the sense of like, you've got to learn your own body because everybody's going to be different. Yeah. Kate, did you have any other tips for our um, listeners today?
2: Yeah, I would say... um don't be afraid to to seek assistance even if it's preventative so you know so many times I'll have people come into me at work and say and I say okay well what brings you in today and they're like well nothing I just want to make sure I'm doing the right things and so I think seeking assistance even if it's preventative is a is a good place to start so you know coming into seeing myself or Things got to see what you can work on strength wise or or function or improving function in order to prevent injuries is a really, really great place to start.
0: Yeah, great. I think that's really important to emphasize because I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, but like it wasn't that sore, or I didn't think it was that much of a niggle, and then end up well further injured than they originally were. (laughs) And if they had just got it when you know we were three steps back. Um, it would have been a different story
2: or even yeah like you said or even you know picked it up before it becomes a problem so you know you might I might look at someone go oh Mm. your feet roll in quite a lot let's kind of strengthen up (laughs) strengthen up some of those (laughs) muscles around your your ankles and your feet so that we can prevent some ankle injuries and prevent some tendon issues so um yeah seeking those assistances before they become problems
0: is that you (laughs) Scott
1: Yeah, that's me 100%. Uh, Looks like
2: Scott might be booking in.
0: Probably fair to say to our athletes and listeners, if they had any questions or anything that, you know, this conversation has kind of raised to them where they've got some further follow-up questions I'd like to um, pass on to either of you, please reach out. I'm more than happy to pass the question along. But I think even further, as we mentioned at the get-go, Kate is our go-to physio at Lake Health. Um, She is able to prioritise um, any of the Westwick athletes that – book in to see um, a physio at Lake Health, and if she hasn't got availability, we still can get you in to see a physio. But... Any niggles, as Kate said, feel free to come forward, even if it's preventative or you just want to check in. It's always worthwhile to prevent things down the line. Um, and then Scott's always around the traps at FedUni in regards to SNC, or if you had any questions in that space around your training loads or your periodisation, those that are coming in to do SNC training, feel free to ask um, our coaches or Isaac. Um, and then the same thing with Chris and the Rad Centre. Everyone's always here to help, so always feel free to reach out. Well, thank you both for jumping on. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah,
0: it was a great chat. Hopefully uh, we can do this again soon for part two. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Athlete Handbook. This podcast is brought to you by the Westbik Academy of Sport. It was recorded in Ballarat on the land of the Waterong and Jar Jarog people. And we would like to recognise their continuing connection to the land and waterways.